Welcome to the Basin Church Podcast. And as a church, our mission is to bring hope and wholeness through Jesus Christ. And no matter where you are and as you listen today, we hope that you find hope in Jesus and even move one step closer to being made whole. But as I was playing basketball, here's the one thing that I learned and that I was taught um, that really stuck with me. So anytime I'm playing basketball and I would shoot, I would focus on, on uh, the back of the rim. So if, I'm, if I am in the front of the uh, basket and I'm going forward and I'm straight on, I'm looking at the back of the rim. Now some of you just think, oh, well, it's just basketball. You just throw the ball up. No, no, no. You really have to actually have to focus. And so then if you're on the side and you're shooting side towards the side, you know what you do? You look at that part of the back of the rim. And believe it or not, if you're on the other side, what do you do? You look on that side of the rim. And then when you're in a free throw, the same thing. You look at the back of the rim. Now, here's why. First of all, you can get into a rhythm. So in the beginning of the game, you get into a rhythm. So either you're on or you're off. And as you begin, they, they start passing you balls and you start shooting. You know if you're on or off. And so you begin to, to focus on that. And the reason why I would focus on the back of the rim is here's why. As the game progressed, you get tired. And if you, EC, look, it, it doesn't matter if you are a little kid or if you're a pro basketball player. If you, t- the tendency is, is if you shoot the ball short, you're tired because you didn't use your legs. Because believe it or not, you have to, a jump shot is that. You have to jump and shoot the ball. So what I would do is I'd focus on the back of the rim, get in a rhythm, because uh, at the end or towards the end, of the, uh, uh, the end of the game, when I was tired, I would still shoot that. Because look, even if I missed it, what am I aiming for? I'm aiming for the back, and I didn't want to be short ever. And even if I happened to miss it, hit the back of the rim, or if I was tired, what would it do? It would just go straight in the middle. See, so there's something about this that we, we have a focus because the focus would help me obtain my goal. Now, we've been in this series for three weeks now, and we're going to talk about this idea of focus, but let me, let me back you up, because if you haven't been here for three weeks, let me just kind of fill you in. So the first week, and basically all of this for the last four, four times, is it's about focus. So we talked about that the things we worry about, we don't what? Pray about. So if I'm worrying, I'm not praying. So where's my focus? On my problems and not the Lord, okay? And so we, we talked about the first week. The second week we said that our focus needs to change. And as a church and as believers, right, that we tend to have differences, but we have to keep our eye, our focus on the mission or expanding the kingdom of God. And to do that, what do we have to do? We have to focus on putting aside our differences and getting along, because if we get along, then other people will want to belong, Okay? So then we said last week that all of us have needs, don't we? And a lot of us are so focused on our needs that we forget and realize who the source of the person who can satisfy our needs. And we said that was Jesus, right? That he shall supply all our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And so we tend to, when you, we said when you realize how you need to be satisfied and realize who satisfies you, you will be what? Fully satisfied so now we come to this point and we come to this idea of focus and and uh, as we uh, begin to talk this and walk you through this uh, passage and through this whole idea here's what I want to ask you and 
is this. How do you focus? How do you focus? Now, go back to when you were in high school. Okay. So did you, when you got an assignment or you were in class, did you have to have it quiet? So let's say you go home, you got to do your homework. Did you go shut the door, you know, nothing bothering you, you, you had no noise because no noise meant I was free to clearly think and focus and process what I need to study or what I need to do. Or how about this? Maybe some of you, and you still probably do this, you focus with noise around you. It's called white noise. Some of you sleep like that, right? You turn your fan on for white noise. And so you can't really focus unless there's noise going on. So people, what they tend to do is they turn on television, they turn on their music, they turn on something to make the backdrop so they can focus better. And some of you, you would even tend to talk to focus, right? It's just how it is. But even at that, think about just this idea of multitasking, right? You're doing two things at once. You're focusing on one thing and you're listening to somebody else. Now, I don't know how many of you are multitaskers, but I can tell you this. If someone has probably asked you or probably questioned you, they say, are you listening to me? And if you're a multitasker, what do you say? Oh, yeah, I'm listening to you. And what do they say? Well, repeat back what I just said. And you can. And then you reassure me, you say, no, 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 I can focus on two things at once. That's what you say. I can focus on two things at once. But if you're me, you can't multitask. Right? Anybody like that? Where you'll be talking and they'll be talking and then, are you listening to me? Huh, what, what'd you say? So here's, here's what I just want you to know. And here's what I tell people. If I'm not looking at you, I'm not listening to you. Because I can only focus on one thing at one time. So this whole idea is, is your focus, but here's where it kind of plays out in life. Your focus, you move to what you're focused on. Okay, so you move in the direction of what you're focused on. So you move towards what you are focused on. Now think about this. It happens in schools. It happens in your workplace. It happens at your house. It happens in, in every part of life in your career that when you focus on something, you're going to move towards it. If you're a student and you're trying to graduate, remember when you're trying to graduate high school, trying to graduate college, especially college, you don't want to mess around because if you get kicked out, you lose money. So you have to hunker down. You have to focus on, on, on concentrating on your grades. But even at that, think about your workplace. You've, you've seen this. People who want to be promoted, people who want to go and, and move up, what do they do? You tend to look at them and say, man, they, all of a sudden a switch has changed. They are focused. And they're focused on getting what they need to do. And they see the goal, they see what's ahead, and they're going to do what it takes to move up in a company. And then if you're a parent, when you get married and you're a parent, and it doesn't matter what age your kids are, if something's going on with your kids, where's your attention and your focus go? To your children. See, it's not, parenting's not easy. And it doesn't matter if they are a toddler a teenager, or a grown adult. If your kid is having problems, if your kid is having issues, you're still a dad when they're out of your house. You're still a mom when they're out of your house. And when you start to focus, what? On them and focus on their attention so you can correct it. And especially if they're disobeying, then it's like, oh, we really got to correct this. You can't correct it when they're out of the house, but you have to correct it. So your focus goes there. See, and so here's what I want you to grasp, and here's what I want you to understand for this whole time. I'm going to lay it out right now what we're talking about. See, because I believe that you can focus on, on things physically, 
But I really believe that focus just doesn't happen in the physical realm. It actually happens in the spiritual realm. And so what I want to give this, if you miss anything today, go home with this. Whatever captures your attention, you're going to move in its direction. Okay? You're going to move in that direction. So listen, physically, whatever captures my attention, I'm physically going to move in that direction. Whatever captures my heart, soul, spirit, mind, whatever, whatever spiritually has got, is, is got a hold of me or has captured my focus, I'm going to move in that direction. So what we're going to talk about today is that you can open up to Hebrews chapter 12 and it talks about this idea of focus. And some of you have heard this. Some of you know this famous passage. But it's Hebrews chapter 12. And it's probably nothing familiar to you. But as you turn, I want you to understand the book of Hebrews. And they don't know who actually wrote the book of Hebrews. Believe it or not. They do believe that the book of Hebrews was written to, uh, obviously, people who were Jewish. But they had this idea that this, this was a Jewish, or a Jewish membership, but it was a Christian church that had mostly made up of Jews that believed in Jesus, was the Messiah. And so this letter was written to these, this community, this Christian community, this Christian church. And the author obviously has... Um, some history with these people. As you look in the letter, he has some history or she has some history with this, with this uh, community. But here's the interesting thing about the whole idea of Hebrews and this community, uh, this church that had so many Jewish members. They were actually trying to get them to renounce the Christian faith and go back to their ancestor faith. So, no, it's not about Jesus, but we're going to go back to, it's back to the rituals and the law and all this of the Jews. So that's what they were trying to get them to do. So he writes this letter and he, he names a, a lot of stuff here. And in chapter 12, you'll begin to see this. And in verse 1, it says this. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So you have this idea right here, this idea of the, or this imagery. It moves from a pilgrimage or a journey to an athletic race. And what the author wants you to capture and the readers to capture that he and other people are in this stadium and they're running a race. And there are witnesses around in the stands cheering people on. And so they're cheering you on, and, and, and that's what he wants you kind of to understand. That's how he lays this out. But as he does this, he says these people are, are in the stands. There's this cheering section, and they're cheering you on, go, 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 go. And the cheering section is made up of people who have come before you and I and people who have come before in the, in the Scripture who make up this cheering section. So you've got Abraham, you've got Noah, you've got, you've got Moses, you've got Esther, You've got Mary, you've got Jesus, Peter, Paul, and the list goes on and on and on and on. So anyone who lived a life of faith, witnesses are in that cheering section cheering you on. Now look, they're not looking down on you. Okay, they're not doing that. They're, they're, they're just up there cheering, and what they're doing is they're spurring you on a life of faith. And so he says, you gotta, these guys are around you, and he just wants you to get this. It's kind of like a, a picture he wants you to grasp. And so he would, he would say that they're faithful with their lives and it's a testimony to you and I that you can follow that, that you can, you can run this race and you can finish the way they finished. 
And as he begins to say this, it's, he kind of gives an example of encouragement here. And he says, we're given a, a, an evidence of possibilities of life in faith through their lives. And here's what I mean. They're examples by how they lived and how they finished. Because even though they had so many obstacles in their life, they still made it to the finish line. They didn't give up. They didn't lose heart. They didn't, they didn't just say, okay, I'm done with this. You know, this faith, this faith stuff is too hard. They just kept going, and they finished. And so, because of that, and when you understand that, then what does he say? In the, in, he says, this is what I want you to do. Since you're surrounded by this cheering section, since they're cheering you on, spurring you on, the author says this, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. So see this race that you are on, I are on, this, this faith, this life of faith, this journey that we are on in life. He says it's going to have obstacles. The race has obstacles. And he says what? You have to throw off everything that hinders you. Okay, and we'll talk about that. And the sin that so easily entangles you or entramps you or encompasses you or ensnares you, as the word is. And so this picture you get... But let's just go from, for hinders. Let's throw off everything that hinders us. Now, it hinders us from living a life, an effective life of faith, an effective life that God wants us to live. And when I said hinder, I, I looked at this and I was like, okay, what kind of hinders us? And you can go right off the bat. One of the things that hinders us is obviously fear, anxiety, and worry. Because again, like I said, when you are worried, worried gives place to something you're not in control of. And when you're not in control of it, then you begin to be fearful. What's going to happen to my life? What's going to happen to my finances? What's going to happen to my marriage? What's going to happen to my kids? What's going to happen to the world? And you start focusing on all of this. And all of a sudden, you forget who the problem solver is. And so what it's doing is it's hindering you from focusing and, and, and concentrating on what God wants to do in your life. And so all of a sudden, you're, you're hindering by your worry, your fear, your anxiety, and you're concerned about all this. See, and here's what people even say. You know, you've seen it on shirts or people have tattoos of this now. And what does it say? It says what? Faith over fear. Trying to remind themselves. They gotta live a life over fear. That it's something that hinders me. It's something that makes me live ineffective in my walk with Jesus. It says throw off everything that, in, that hinders us. Now let's even go, let's, let's take worry and anxiety and fear. Let's say you don't, you don't struggle with that. But I can guarantee you at one point in your life, you've probably dealt with this. Willingly or unwillingly, somebody made you mad. They ticked you off. And whether they knew you made them mad or, or they made you mad or whatever, you wanted to get revenge and payback. Right? Well, I'll show them. I'm not going to talk to them for 48 hours a week. It's not going to do that. Or you pay back however it is, and all of a sudden you go from forgiveness to bitterness. And from bitterness to holding a grudge. And you hold on to it so tightly that you can even name what they did. And you haven't forgotten. It's okay not to forget, but you've got to Forgive. And so what happens is what settles in your heart is bitterness. And all of a sudden you're bitter at somebody and you're bitter at what they've done to you, willingly or not knowing what they've done. And I'm telling you, 
you think that, you think that if I'm going to pay them back, that, oh man, I'm going to get them back and it's really going to harm them. No, you know who it harms? You. Do you know whose relationship it harms? Yours and that person's and yours and God's. Because you're not forgiving someone, how in the world can you be close to God? Yeah, and you come to the Lord. Then he's like, hey, why haven't you forgiven so-and-so? What's going on? And see, all of a sudden, you live a what? An ineffective life. You can't run with perseverance. You can't run with the, the, the race that he's marked out for you if you've got things that are holding you down and hindering you. Look, I've run before. I used to run all the time. I wore the wrong stuff. I wore basketball shoes and basketball shorts. All of a sudden, what am I doing? I needed to put the right stuff on. It was slowing me down. See, no runner gets when they get to a marathon, they don't go, hey, let me just, you know, put some weights on my, on my, on my wrists and my legs, and hey, let me just put one of those 50-pound chest weights. They don't do that. Why? Because it's going to hinder them. And the same thing is true with you. When you have all these things, and it can be worry, bitterness, and you can name it, it can be anger, it can be impatience, it can be whatever that causes you to, to just have a disruptive life, an ineffective life, and an ineffective walk with God. Anything that hinders you, he says, you need to get rid of that and run the race that is marked out for you. And then he says, get rid of what? Sin. And none of us in here, including myself, are immune to this. And there are types of sin where we know excuse me, we make a mistake and we go, oh man, that was stupid. I wasn't even thinking. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. And, and you didn't willfully sin. You just kind of just made that mistake. And uh, you came to the Lord and said, okay, Lord, I just asked for forgiveness. And what does he do? He forgives you. He mends the relationship and you move on. And you get up. But then there's this other idea of sin. And it's this sin that is Habitual. It's a habit. And you return to it. It's like you, you know that God forgives and God, you know, will, will cleanse you and forgive you and restore your relationship and come to him, okay, Lord, I, I've done this wrong. And then you go back and you go doing it again. Look, none of us are immune to this. We've all done it at some point in time or another. And it's that, that sin, you see, like, okay, well, God's going to forgive me, so I go on. Look, Paul says this in, in Romans. Should I go on sinning so that grace shall abound? And he emphatically says, no. I shouldn't go on because Jesus forgives and there's grace and mercy through the blood of Jesus. Doesn't mean I go back to doing what I should be not going back into my sin. As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly, Proverbs says. And all of us have been there. And see, God's not into games. Don't be playing games. I've played games, you've played games. And what the author wants you and myself to understand and realize is that not only do we throw off everything that hinders us, but we've got to get rid of that sin that we accidentally did, and we fall into, and you know that, but the habitual sin that we go back time and time and time again and just run back to him. God says, I'm done with the games. Get rid of the games. And so he goes on, and as he, as he would say this, it, it kind of breaks down and boils down to this. We are to rid ourselves of any thought, attitude, or practice which impedes our progress in the Christian life. Let me read that again. Any thought, attitude, or practice that impedes our progress 
in the Christian life. So that's why he gives you this idea of running. That's why the author gives you the idea of the weight. And here's um, the idea of the race. Look, the race isn't for each other, each Christian to compete against each other. I'm not competing against you. You're not competing against me. That's not the goal of the race. That's not the goal of this, this picture that he gives. Right? The goal is to, to run it, and the goal is to what? Finish. If you've ever run a marathon, the goal isn't for you to, to win. There's no way you and I can win. We're not you know, professional marathoners, whatever you want to call it. We don't, we don't do that. Right? But if, if I entered a marathon, what's the whole goal for me? To finish. I'm not competing against anybody. I'm competing against myself to finish. And that's what the author wants you to understand is he's encouraging you to finish and he's encouraging you to have staying power. And that's why he says, I want you to have stamina. I want you to do this with what? Perseverance. I want you to do it with perseverance. So, uh, going all that and, and, and doing that. Here's what he says in Hebrews chapter uh, 12 verse 2 so he says I want you to persevere I encourage you to persevere get rid of everything and then here's where I want you to focus your attention and he says this in in Hebrews chapter 2 verse uh, 12 verse 2 excuse me it says fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer the perfecter maybe in your version it says the author of faith for the joy sent before him he endured the cross scorning the shame sat down at the right hand at the throne of God see we keep our eyes on the goal and the goal is what Jesus. Nothing else should distract us. Nothing else should be our focus. We should be fixed on Jesus, who is what? The, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Pioneer is what? Somebody who goes before you. Someone who blazes a trail. Jesus blazed the way for you and I. And he is the example, he's the model which the author says that our eyes need to be focused on. And we focus on Jesus because he has been there before. Been there before. And it says he, he's a perfecter of faith and he finished what? Successfully. But here's what you got to understand about, about Jesus is there, there's th- three things that you can look at his life and, and kind of demands our focus. The first one is he endured the cross. Right? The joy set before, before him, he endured the cross, scorned his shame, set down on the right hand of the throne of God. He endured the cross. He looked at what was going to happen. He said, it's, it, it's tough, but I'm going to do it. And victory came through Jesus on the cross. Victory for every single person. Victory for you, victory for me. That there's victory in the blood of Jesus. And through his sacrifice, we have freedom. Through his sacrifice, we are victorious. He said he looked at the, it, not just what was around him, but what was going to happen for you and I. And then he begins to, to say that. So you look at that, and then it says, he, he, he scorned the shame. He would recognize, look, there's humiliation in the cross. He looked beyond that, the unseen. He, here's a man who is not a criminal, but dies a, a criminal's death. And yet he goes through it. He even wrestles and says, oh, can we just not do this? This is very tough. And yet he continues to persevere. And it says, the Lord gave him position, exalted him at the right hand of the throne of God. Look, and even, this is what it says in Philippians. That his name is above all other names. 
He was exalted because of what he did for you and for me. There's power in the name of Jesus. There was, there, was, there was power in the blood of Jesus. And so what we are supposed to do is look at Jesus for what he has done. He's the model of faith. If he can handle it, if he gave up his life for you and I, don't you think we can persevere? The answer is yes. And, and it is something that all of us should share in and should be in view of is Jesus. And then he goes to verse 3, and here's what he says. He says, considered him who endured such opposition from sinners. Why? So you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, the natural thing is the, to overestimate Jesus' trials, the severity of what he went through. It's easy to overestimate that. It's easy to just kind of go over it and just not even think about it. But the author does not want you or his readers to do that. He wants you to understand this, that Jesus faced obstacles just like you and I. And here's the thing, and even in Hebrews, it, w- it would say that he faced every temptation you and I did, but he did not sin. He did not sin, not mess up. Perfect. And so we are to look to him, and, and this is when he says this, consider this so you do not grow, grow heart. See, we have opposition. And as he says this in verse 3, our opposition is what? Sin, perse- uh, persecution can come up at any time. Any time. But he, he says this, that Jesus had opposition too. He had opposition from sinful men. There was hostility towards Jesus when he was here on earth. All the way to the cross. When they mocked him. If you're the son of God, then why don't you just come down? If you who are you say you are, then why don't you save yourself? See, they were hostile towards him his entire life while he was here on earth. He faced that opposition, and yet he still went through. And see, we have opposition, and sin comes up, and, and, and when we tend to, what we tend to compromise is this. We tend to compromise in two areas, personal security and material benefit. And he knows that. We want to be physical secure, so we're compromising that area to get that, and we'll compromise for, for something that's material beneficial for ourselves. And because of that, here's what he says. He says, I want you to look toward Jesus, consider what he has done, and I don't want you to even compromise. I don't want you to grow weary. I don't want you to get weak. I don't want you to give up. And the reason why he says that is because the author wants you to understand his opposition, but he wants to understand that you don't quit. Jesus gave up his life. He actually drew blood. You haven't drawn blood for anybody. You haven't given up your life for anybody. None of us have. And so as he says this in, in verse 3, see, it, you know, we have, a t- we have a term and we have a saying and it's a phrase, it's what? No pain, no gain. And what the author is trying to get you and, what, and he's trying to get me and all of us to understand is he doesn't want you to feel sorry for yourself. Because you didn't have to endure the cross. And he wants you to understand that don't give up ever. Look to Jesus who didn't give up, who went all the way to die for you and I. Then he says, then you can look to that and not lose heart, not grow weary, and not give up. Look, I understand life is hard. 
See, and our tendency is that when life is hard, we're going to give up. Our tendency is that when it's not going my way and when the walls feel like they're caving in, then I'm done. And it's not like you just, you just give up on relationships and you give on this, but sometimes we just give up on God. This is just too hard. It's too hard to follow him. And the author says, no, 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 what are you doing? He says, look at Jesus because Jesus endured opposition. You're going to endure opposition. He says, what? In this life you'll have trouble, but what? He says, don't lose heart because what? I have overcome. So if Jesus is the model and he's overcome everything, there's nothing that you, can, you can't handle because it's him. And so he says, don't give up. Don't grow weary. I want you to press on. There might be times where it's tough and it might be hard, but he says, don't grow weary. Continue doing this. Continue going and focus on Jesus, who is the perfecter and the author of your faith, the pioneer. And he says, when you focus on Jesus, when he's your model, you won't grow weary. You will persevere. And he says what? In the beginning, the race marked out for you. God has a plan. He has a direction for your life. He has it marked out. And he doesn't want you to grow weary. He wants you to persevere. He wants you to continue on. And as I say that, some of you are like, oh yeah, that's easy to say. It's really easy to say. It's another thing to do, isn't it? See, it's easy for me just to go up here and say, okay, hey, see ya. Have a nice, have a nice life. Have a nice week. Go do that. And some of you are like, oh, that's hard. It's difficult because we know what life throws at us. We know what comes our way. And, you know, people say this, and maybe the young kids say this, but the, it's really truth. The struggle is real. Isn't it? Struggle is real. I'm trying to do everything I can to follow Jesus, and it seems like life is hard, and, and I want to give up, and you want to give up. And we say, man, you're just telling us to just Look to Jesus. Yeah, okay. But we can do that. And the reason why we have a hard time with this, the reason why we have a hard time with what the author is trying to convey is this. There's numerous reasons for this. And, and here's the first reason. The first reason is this. I put down that you're exhausted because you're trying to, trying to do things on your own. So you're running the race and you have stuff that's hindering you, whether it's sin or whatever, and you're exhausted and you've been trying to do things on your own. You've been trying to parent on your own. You're trying to work, do things at work on your own. You've been trying to do, I don't know, relationships on your own and whatever it is. You're struggling. And you're tired. And if I said, do you want to quit today? He said, absolutely, I don't want to quit. I want to give up. Because you're, you're, you're just leaning on your own understanding. You're leaning on your own wisdom. And you're not looking to Jesus. And it feels like you're on a cycle, right? Like you're like one of those little mouse that's on the wheel and just spins and spins and spins and spins and you don't know how to get off and you're getting tired and, and weaker and, and life's just hitting you hard and all of a sudden you're like, I, I just can't do this. Well, the solution is this. You let go. You let go, and I, I wrote this, you let go to avoid becoming weary. Say, okay, I'm gonna look to Jesus. I let go of what's going on and Jesus, would you just take over and this is, I've been trying to do things on my own, but I'm not going to do that anymore. And when you let go, you're not going to become weary. When you begin to look to him who gives you strength, you won't grow weary. And the other thing is this. You can look at the, the pages of scripture and you can see 
Abraham. Man, Abraham, the, the father of faith. And you go, oh man, Abraham was willing to give up his son. And, and Noah built an ark and he, there, he didn't even know what rain was. And there's a giant out there and David, everyone else is afraid and David goes, oh, who, is, who does this guy think he is? And he goes out there at the age of 16 and grown men are just scared. And you look at some of these, these people and you look at Peter who begins to just preach Jesus and people get saved and you're like, well, I don't even know if I can do that. And you look at these, 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 um, these stories of these men and women and their life and you begin to look at the pages of scripture and, and you're thinking, there's no way, there's no way I can do what any of these men and women did. And so what happens, and the excuse you think is this, that you believe that the life of faith that he talks about right here is reserved for those men and women. Let me tell you, it's not. Because the Hebrew writer didn't say, therefore we're surrounded by such great, great cloud of witnesses and yada, 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 that doesn't apply to you. Sorry. He doesn't say that. It's, not, it, it's for every believer, every Christian who is following Jesus, that's who it's for. You can obtain a life that these men and women had. See, because here's what we think. We think this, that, well, talk about a giant. If I was in that situation, I don't think I'd go out there. Sacrifice my son? No. Tell people about Jesus? Uh, no. I can't even do that now. All right? And you think, oh, there's no way I can do this. But the author says, you can. And they're cheering you on. If I can do it, you can do it, is what they're saying. If I can live this life of faith and follow after this Jesus, you can too. And because I didn't give up and I stayed true and I finished, you can too. So don't give the excuse. Because when he writes this, he writes it as encouragement and not discouragement. It's to encourage you, to press on, to persevere, to move, to go. And to follow Jesus. But maybe here's another excuse you have. Or maybe this is what you do. You just kind of wish or hope it would get better. You wish. I just wish life would get better. Right? We say that. I just hope life would get better. I don't know anyone who obtained goals by wishing or hoping for them. If you want to obtain something, what do you do? You have to make a change. See, your intentions are not going to get you to where you want to go. You can have all the best intentions in the world. Oh man, I hope to change my marriage. But if you don't do anything to change you or change your habits, you're not going to change your marriage. Oh, I want to change my finances. I want to just, I just, I just, I just want to be a, a saver. I want to be better with my finances. But if you don't even have a budget, how are you going to be better with your finances? Oh, I want to be a morning person. But you snooze, you keep hitting the alarm, right? It's not going to happen. And, it, and it's, it's silly, but the, the fact is because we've all done it. See, you can't hope to live this life. You actually have to change. You actually have to, have to do something, what the author's saying. You have to throw off the weight. You have to throw off the sin that entangles you. You can't just wish it off. Well, I hope it comes off. I hope I stop worrying. I hope I stop holding the grudge. It's not going to do that. We have to make change. And that's what he says. And here's the last thing I want you to understand. When you throw off that weight and you're looking to Jesus, 
You need to run free and you need to stay free. Say that again. You need to run free and you need to stay free. And here's why I say that. Because freedom is found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. And what I, what I put down, it's by him, because not only do you get the forgiveness of sin, and not only get a great relationship with him, but the name of Jesus is able to break any chains on your life, any curses on your life, any bondages on your life. That's what Jesus does. And you have to find freedom. See, when you're focused on him, you can find freedom, and your freedom is only found in Jesus. That's why, that's our mission. We believe in that there's only one person that can bring hope. That's him. There's only one person who can bring wholeness. It's not me. It's Jesus. And when you begin to look to him, when you begin to see him, when you're focused on him, your life will begin to change. And when I say that, when you find the freedom, I say run free and stay free. Because you know what your tendency and my tendency is to, is to do? is to pick the weights back up. Why do we pick the weights back up? Why do I pick the sin that I constantly do? I, I don't know. I haven't made a change. Why, why do I go back to worrying and fretting? Why do I do that stuff? See, stay free. There's a reason why the, the Olympians ran the way they ran. They had nothing holding them back. Nothing holding them. They just ran and it made them faster. Well, this weighs you down, and it makes you ineffective. So run free, stay free. Don't pick up the weight again. If it's dropped, stay dead. Say, Jesus, I need this, and just stay there. I'm not picking that up. I'm not picking this up. I'm not doing any of that. I am running the race that you've marked out before me. So where are you today? Where are you in your race? Do you feel like you're going to give up? Feel like you're being hindered by something? Is there something in your life that's, that's holding you back and making you ineffective? What is it? What are you striving for? What are you contending for? See, because no matter what you're faced, you know where your focus needs to be and where my focus needs to be. So here's what I want you to do. I, 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 want to, I want to pray for you, but I, I, I want you to stand here. I'm going to have you stand. And because I think there's something about standing and declaring what God wants to do in your life. See, for some of us, we have to change our focus. Some of us, we need to get rid of stuff. But I want to pray over you. And I want to allow him to begin to remove those things that are hindering you. And if there's sin that, that you're constantly in or, or whatever, I want you to give it to, to him now and allow Jesus to touch you and allow him to shape you. And I don't know if you're picking back up weight. I don't know what it is, but here is your chance before Jesus and say, I have not been focused on you. I've been picking up weight. I've been going back to the things I shouldn't be doing. And you let him free you today. You let the name of Jesus free you today. Thanks for listening. And if you would like more information on our church or you'd like to visit us in person, you can go to basinchurch.org. And as always, we hope this content helps you on your faith journey.